Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focused on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, I sat down with Ben Shinneberry, the executive director of the Dick and Jane Project. It's an organization that's stated mission is empowering students through songwriting. We talk about how the organization works, how it got started, and what it's like running a nonprofit in Columbus. Dick and Jane Week, the organization's annual fundraiser, is coming up October 1st through 9th with shows every night at various venues around town. Today during the show, we play some selections from bands that will be performing at Dick and Jane Week. A portion of the proceeds for each show that week will be donated to the organization. You can get more information on the Dick and Jane Project, the bands whose music we featured here today, and all the shows that are part of Dick and Jane Week in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here with Ben Shinneberry, the executive director of the Dick and Jane Project, on the occasion of their upcoming Dick and Jane Week, occurring October 1st through 9th at venues throughout Columbus. Ben, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. First of all, just for those that are unaware, what is the Dick and Jane Project? The Dick and Jane Project, um, our mission statement is to empower students through songwriting. Okay. So uh, the philosophy of the Dick and Jane Project is pretty simple. Uh, We believe that young people, uh, specifically middle school students, are the best lyricists in the world. Uh, and this is because lyricists for for songs for songs. Okay. Uh, and this is because most singer songwriters, uh, when they're trying to write a song, are looking for some unique perspective, some new idea. Um, and really, middle school students and young people are living that every day. They're curious about the world. They're they're learning new things. They're they're bringing this all together to you know to form their realities. Um, and because of that, you know, if we are able to pull. Uh, those ideas out of their heads and into songs as lyrics, you know, it's going to be impactful for both them um, and it's going to impact us as listeners. The problem is that middle school students typically are not the best musicians and music producers. So uh, to counter that, we connect them with the best musicians and the best producers in Columbus to form the best songwriting groups possible. We have the best lyricists, working with the best musicians and the best producers to create songs. And not to be glib about it, but sort of what what's the point? There's many points. Um, ultimately, you know, uh, the biggest takeaway for the students when they're participating in Dick and Jane um, is that they they know on day one of the song of a songwriting process, they're creating a song that thousands of people are going to listen to. And we can tell students that with confidence because of our radio partnership with WCBE, who plays every song that we create um, on their station. And so that in itself really empowers the, the students that are writing uh, to, you know, to take it very seriously and to know that other people in the world are going to take their writing seriously. And that sets off a whole course of events where they have never experienced writing for that kind of real purpose. So is it fair to say that at its heart, it's a literacy project? Yes, absolutely. And um, within our curriculum, we, you know, we follow a lot of the common core standards and we align with a lot of the state standards that typically they're, they're asked to follow in their English language arts class. So Um, does this replace that for some of them? Absolutely. There's been uh, many times where we've gone into a school uh, for two weeks and taken over an English language arts class. and, you know, and went in every day for going every day for an hour uh, to work with those kids and the schools and the teachers treat it just as any other typical writing class that they would have. Shortly, I want to get into an example of a song from the Dick and Jane Project. But before we do that, can you sort of talk about the production that happens? Sure. I'm sure. Is it is it slightly different each time or? Slightly different because, you know, every song that's made has a different process behind it. Um, Just given different students and different producers that you're, okay. Absolutely. And even, I mean, any song outside of the Dick and Jane project, I mean, Taylor Swift, Justin Bieber, anybody that makes a song goes through a different process. Okay. Um, But kind of the confines to our process um, is is the two weeks uh, where the producers are meeting 
with the students um, on a daily basis. And so uh, the easiest way to kind of break that down is, is into the, the first week and the second week. So the first week, basically, the students and the producers are meeting together to build the rock of the song. So they, you know, to get a theme, to get the lyrics, to get the idea of what they want their song to sound like. So, and is it truly just sitting down with the kids and saying, "What do you care about?" Or pretty much, yeah. Okay. Um, and that gets the students talking. That gets them to open up. That gets them, um, you know, really thinking hard about the song. On the first day um, of the workshop, the producers come in and sit down with the students, and basically they just listen to YouTube videos all day. Uh, the producer asks them, "What kind of music do you like? What you know? What's your favorite song?" And this acts as one as, a, as an icebreaker just for the students to feel comfortable with the producers. Right. Um, but it also gives those producers um, a chance to understand what kind of song these students are going to be making. Um, and rather, you know, we found over the course of the of the 77 songs that we've made, it's much easier to ask a student what song they like rather than, you know, what kind you know, what kind of song do you want to make? It's a very complex uh, question for a student. But if we know, oh, they like... They like, you know, this song and this song and this song. Let's talk about the elements within those songs of what you like. Do you like the drum beat? Do you like the fast pace? You know, we kind of break down the songs too. Do you care about the bridge? Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, what's a bridge, you know, to them? Right. Yeah. Well, and so I think anybody can identify with bonding over music. Absolutely. Um, and certainly that then breaks down barriers and... and, and like your mission statement says, sort of, you know, empowers the student to sort of say, okay, I'm empowered with this person who literally has the ability to make this music, and they're truly asking me what I want to make. And so sort of as that process keeps rolling, they become more comfortable. Absolutely. We're going to take a listen to the most recent song that the Dick and Jane Project produced, uh, Beauty is Attitude. Who's the producer of this song? Uh, this was a kind of a unique uh, song in that we actually brought four of our producers on board uh, to all collaborate. So we've got Nick D'Andrea, uh, Corey Montgomery, Rashad Thomas, and Glenn Davis all working together uh, to create this song. Great. And the school? Uh, the school is uh, Berwick uh, Alternative, K-8. through It's a Columbus City school. Great. Let's take a listen to Beauty is Attitude. We, we, we've all got our flaws, don't have to hide them from the rest No matter what they say, you, you belong You don't have to hide just cause they make you who you are Beauty is attitude, beauty is everything you do, babe It's attitude, beauty is attitude, beauty is attitude Beauty
Again, that was Beauty is Attitude, produced by the Dick and Jane Project and students from Berwick Elementary. There is actually a mini-documentary on the Dick and Jane Project site, dickandjaneproject.org, that you can check out about the production of that song and seeing some of the kids go through the process. Again, we're here with Ben Shinneberry from the Dick and Jane Project on the occasion of Dick and Jane Week, coming up October 1st through 9th. Ben, before we talk a little bit more about the shows coming up, how did you start the Dick and Jane Project? It's kind of a funny story and the most commonly asked question. Uh, so, why, why are you doing <laughs> this? Uh, so really, the Dick and Jane Project started in 2010. Um, and originally, it started with, uh, with me taking, I don't know if you remember the old uh, Read with Dick and Jane books. Uh, yeah. I was... You know, I mean, what, they, they are frankly too old for either of us right. to, to have actually used, but right. we're aware of them in popular yeah. culture. And um, so I was working, at the time I was working in a, uh, in a uh, child care center, um, and a parent had donated a Read with Dick and Jane book to the center. Um, and I thought it was funny because, one, these kids aren't learning to read, and that's what those books are meant for. And two, you know, no three-year-old is going to be captivated by, you know, see Jane run, run Jane run. Uh, And so I took the book home with me. Uh, You stole it. I stole the book, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and randomly one day I was playing my guitar. Uh, I was learning, you know, I was just kind of a beginner. Um, And I started singing the lyrics of the Dick and Jane book uh, to the chords that I was playing. And it was kind of fun to really put, you know, some some emotional emphasis on pretty bland words. Um, and it was really fun. And a couple other of my friends who also played music uh, thought it was pretty cool. And we actually went around at a few open mics um, and performed uh, songs that are based off of these Dick and Jane books. Um, and so we called ourselves a Dick and Jane project. Okay. Um, and then from that, you know, I kind of piqued my curiosity about, about taking simple words and even words that weren't necessarily written for song and putting them in the song. Somehow I ran across uh, some old writings that some students had made for me when I was working in an elementary school after school program. And I got curious and, and put those to those words to song. And again, it was, it was super powerful for me to bring those words to life uh, and to sing them and to be connected to them. Um, well, you got the pleasure of being like a songwriter for the first time Absolutely. and like, re- like music in my head, I, I am not a musician. I'm, it's just something I've never, I guess, pursued. I would like to say, I'm just not good at it. Let's just call it that. <laughs> um, but there is sort of this, oh, I could never do that to me. I could learn to play a Tom Petty song on the guitar, but I could never learn to like choose some chords, put them together, find out what sounds good. And then on top of that, have words and an additional, uh, the melody or the, yeah. yeah. And then put together, you make this sound really complex and put difficult. together, <laughs> uh, put together an additional melody. It is yeah. in my head. It is yeah. difficult. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Cause with, you know, when a student's done writing a song with Dick and Jane, I mean, really, I, I we can tell them, okay, like you've, you've gone through this process. You've written lyrics that are song worthy. All you do, all you need really need to do now is is learn some chords on the guitar, and you are a singer songwriter. Um, and again, to to kind of break it down and and for them to see that process uh, step by step and, and demystify it, it, basically, absolutely. So what? So how did you actually then transition from you and your friends going to open mic nights into sure this organization? This, by the way, nonprofit organization. So once I started working with writings that that students had written um at the time i you know i was i went to, to school. how did that happen i'm sorry that you were working with writings that students i had just i i had just found actually i had a i knew a bunch of uh just friends that had kids that were elementary school middle school age um and i just asked them i said hey do you have any writings that your kids have done i've got this idea i've got this concept um so i received you know a dozen or so writings uh, that again, we were able to explore with, um, and this was still a personal artistic exercise for you. Yeah. Okay. Um, so kind of at, at this time, uh, well, a couple years earlier, I had graduated from Ohio state, um, with a degree in human development. And basically at the, uh, 
that was a prereq, a prereq to go into the teaching program at Ohio State. And I just wasn't feeling going in. Like, I wanted to be an educator, but I didn't really want to be the typical classroom teacher okay. um, for various reasons. Um, but I, it, I was still looking. I really wanted to have an impact in education and education reform. It seemed really clear that there were a lot of changes that need to happen. Um, and so I kind of saw this as, as an opportunity to offer a new experience to students in education. Um, and just as a side note, you are a full-time development person for a charter school here in Columbus, absolutely. the Arts and College Preparatory Academy. I think we've talked about it on that podcast here, specifically with um, uh, Counterfeit Madison when we spoke, and she's also she also works there. Mm-hmm. So that being said, sort of how did this go from an artistic endeavor into becoming an organization? I started to... I started to realize and understand the educational impact that this could have on students. You know, when we first started doing it, it was just a really cool musical project. Uh, but the more I thought about it, the more I realized, wow, like this could, you know, this could be something. Um, and really it was, it started to turn when I started to have conversations with uh, folks outside the music community and um, really in the, in the nonprofit world. And I was fortunate enough uh, through my work at the child care center to know some, some parents and that were active in a scene that I was completely, you know, I had no idea what a nonprofit was. I had no, you know, I really had no business ex- you know, experience. I just had this idea. Um, but I was encouraged heavily by some great people that said that, you know, you should run with this. Uh, you should go with this. Um, and I did. And a couple of them, uh, you know, kind of were my mentors in a way and, and helping me set up the, you know, the Dick and Jane project as a nonprofit and a 501c3, um, even sitting on my board. Um, well, I will say as, excuse me, here's the part of the episode where I feel like I consistently say full disclosure, I do actually sit on the Dick and Jane project board. Mm -hmm. Um, what was interesting to me when I first got involved was how sort of all the legitimate parts of it all the incorporation, the receiving approval at, as a 501c3 organization with the IRS, doing the financial paperwork, all that stuff was already happening when I came on board maybe like three or four years ago. So the organization was only like three or four mm-hmm. years old at that point. But the sort of programming had just gotten going. Yeah. Um, in my experience with nonprofits in the past, it's always sort of like, okay, what can we do? And then as soon as you hit that roadblock of like, oh, we can't accept a grant because we're not legit, let's become legit. Or as soon as someone says, hey, you can't really accept money from people without being incorporated because, you know, you can't cash a check that says, you know, the name of an organization if you don't have a bank account for it. Um, We've talked about that on, on the podcast with a couple of with specifically with Independence Day about how sort of it's like I sort of want to use the phrase you you fake it until you make it. Um, But it's sort of like you you do it until you formalize it. Yeah. And I think it was it was different in our case because I think that I had the vision. Um, It was a blurry vision of what ultimately the Dick and Jane project is now. And I think what what drove me to to put all of those. I don't know how you want to group all of it, like the legal aspects right. of, of Dick and Jane. Just and the order. formal, like, yeah. you know. I knew I wanted to be ready when that vision was realized because I, you know, I, I knew how long it, you know, it takes nine months for your application to be a 501c3 nonprofit, you know, right. just to be to have it be looked at. Right. And that is, that is the, that's sort of the beginning of being able to actually accept money that's Absolutely. not like, you know, right just a person who's donating five bucks right we weren't a nonprofit that had a very simple and easy to understand mission you know we weren't we weren't saving puppies you know, right we well were, and i remember at one point the irs or you told me the story of the irs coming back to you after you submitted the 501c3 application and they said okay great so what happens with the songs right and Literally, you were like, what do you mean? They're just songs. They're like, no, no, no. That's a copyrighted <laughs> piece of material that right. you're generating what happens to it. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting to me sort of when you get into the nuts and bolts, like what do you have to think about when you do stuff like that? 
I want to take a quick break. Again, we are here on the occasion of Dick and Jane Week happening uh, October 1st through 9th. Dick and Jane Week is sort of just a collection of shows throughout the city in which a portion of the proceeds will be donated to Dick and Jane Project. Those funds will go directly to producing Dick and Jane Project songs. The first song we're going to play is by Maza Blaska. They are playing Dick and Jane Week on Thursday, October 6th at Little Rock Bar in Italian Village. Their song is White Curtain. That again was Mazda Balaska's White Curtain. They will be performing Dick and Jane Week on Thursday, October 6th at Little Rock Bar in Italian Village. So you've got everything set up with Dick and Jane Project. You've received approval from the IRS. You're incorporated. You've got some bank accounts. You've discovered sort of the ins and outs of what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. And most importantly, frankly, you have a board to help sort of contribute ideas uh, hopefully contribute, help contribute money or resources 
Um, what's, what have you discovered in that process? I don't want to talk about the songwriting process again just yet, but sort of what's it like running a nonprofit part-time? The biggest thing I've learned is patience. I think with, again, I, I talked about kind of having the vision of what Dick and Jane could be, and I still have a vision for what Dick and Jane could be in five years, 10 years, 20 years. Okay. You know, when I talk about patience, it's, you know, when you, when I have this passion and I have this vision and, and sometimes I just, I just feel like, you know, how could you not understand this? How could you not see the value in this? Um, and kind of taking a step Because back. The, bo- the one thing about like having a vision and having a nonprofit, like you have to run those, uh, even, even if like those people came on board knowing your vision, you still have to run ideas past them. Absolutely. They have to approve the budget. They have to approve what is actually happening. To an extent, you're handing over your vision. Yes. And, and ultimately, my, my responsibility is to prove that the vision exists and it, it is a possibility. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny that the reason why I didn't go into being a typical classroom teacher is because the data and the testing and all of the numbers frustrated me. I, you know, I didn't think that, that that was an important part of education. And so now here I am where... So instead, you just tried to, you decided in all the data and and all (laughs) the, you know, actually running the books and making sure that like, you know, the debits equal the credits or whatever it is. Yep. Huh. Uh, And even, and even, uh, you know, proving through data that students' test scores go up if they participate in the Dick and Jane project. Have you been able to prove that? We're working on, you know, I mean, it takes, and again, working with schools and getting that data is um, another element in itself. Right. Uh, but the data that we've that we've gotten so far is is um, you know studying confidence level, self esteem, um, and even simple questions. The one I'm most proud of is that students uh, respond positively to the question uh, because of the Dick and Jane project. Uh, I value the importance of revising writing. You know, typically when students, middle school students, write a piece of, you know, write anything. Write anything. It's, it's perfect. It's done. I can't change it. Um, and the songwriting process naturally demands know, demands that, that they that they follow that revi- revision process without even thinking about it. Right. Um, and so it's those, you know, types of, you know, that's, that's the data we're getting right now. Um, it's going to take a couple years to really get that you know, solid data that, you know, with attendance rates and, and graduation rates even. And again, as as every year goes by, we get closer and closer to, to getting that kind of data. Can you give me an example of sort of a success story with a student or with a group of students? The first one that always comes to mind is back in 2012, uh, we were working... And the uh, organization had just been getting going. We Yeah, I mean, this was... This was very, very early on. Um, we were working in a school, and a girl was, I could tell that she was upset or bothered by, you know, by something within the songwriting process. And I pulled her aside, and, and she told me that, that she wanted to write, a, you know, a sad song. She wanted to write a song about how, how sad she was, and, but she, you know, she didn't want people to know that. She's like, I, you know, I, 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 it was almost as if she was embarrassed to, to, to want to write a sad song. Okay. Um, and I told her, I said, well, you don't, you don't have to write a lyric. I'm sad. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to be so blunt about it. You can, you can hide your feelings within the words and you can find other ways to describe it. And she just thought that was like the coolest thing. And we were talking, you know, about ways that she could do that. And at the end of it, I said, you know, we just talked about metaphors. And she said, oh, wow, metaphors are pretty cool. I'm like, yeah. And so it's, you know, that was real. That was one of the moments where I really realized that this has power in terms of education. Let's take a quick break. We want, we're going to hear from another artist that's performing Dick and Jane week again, October 1st through 9th at venues throughout the city. This is DD performing their song at DD. They will be performing Dick and Jane week, October 7th at Ace of Cups. Strange thoughts, terror 
Again, that was DD performing DD. They will be performing Dick and Jane Week on October 7th at Ace of Cups. Again, sitting down here with Ben Shinneberry, the executive director of the Dick and Jane Project. We've talked about the process with students a little bit. Uh, they come in the first week, uh, explore what sort of song they would want to write. They do some writing exercises with the producer. What happens then? What does the producer do with the product that they've got? Sure. So basically, the, the product that they've got uh, at the end of the day on Friday of the first week, um, again, I like to call it the rock of the song. So okay. um, you've got, in a perfect world, a, a bunch of lyrics, a bunch of ideas, Um, a whole bunch of songs that are inspiration for what this final song is going to sound like. And then it's the producer's job over the weekend to basically chisel that rock into a more formed song. Uh, Okay. Just the lyrics of it? uh, No. So they basically, they take it into the studio and they create a demo. Um, And so that demo is basically going to give the students the first idea of what their song is going to sound like. The producers bring that that song or that demo um, in on Monday, play it for the students, and the students are encouraged. Uh, typically, the students think it's the best thing they've ever heard in their life, you know, and okay. they're so proud of it and they're high-fiving. Really, it's a challenge oftentimes to get them to really, you know, to, to criticize the song, and that's that's something that, that we really we, we get on about. Uh, okay. To say, you know, um, really, really tell us everything that you want to change within this. Um, and for the producers too, I mean, early on, uh, in the, in the, in the project's history, uh, producers would spend 10, 20, 30 hours over the weekend trying to make the perfect demo for the students. And we got into some awkward situations where they would, the producers would bring the song and the students would say, you know, it, w- it would not match what the students wanted. Um, and there was this awkward tension of like, the students being scared to say what they felt. Right. And also the producers being like, come on, guys, I worked there. I already, on right. This. I already did a whole and, lot of work. Well, yeah. what's interesting is, is given, because these are semi professional musicians, right? These are people who are gigging. These are people who have recorded music and mm-hmm. are able to produce music, but frankly, haven't really worked on teams right. to produce music in the past. Right. And so that's an education factor for them a little bit. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's just as much an experience for the producers as it is. For the students, because really this is, again, in, in my view, a, a legitimate songwriting team, right? Uh, just like any other, you know. And I, I use pop musicians a lot, just because, as examples, because students relate mostly with pop musicians, right? Um, and so, well, and I mean, we're sort of through through music journalism, we're sort of aware of their process. Right. So I talk about Taylor Swift a lot uh, in terms of, you know, Taylor Swift is the face of the song, and she is the the vocalist. Uh, but there's 10, 20, 30 people that, you know, do all of the other stuff, the guitars, the drums, the recording, and that's nothing against Taylor Swift. It's, that's just, she certainly does contribute to her own songwriting, which is why she's a good example. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, she ain't no Kesha. (laughs) And so the, and yeah, so the students, you know, they are a part of that and the producers, realize that they right. know that uh and well they, and we should point out the the producer are paid they are paid a living wage for the time that they're doing this yes. um they're not paid exorbitantly but they're paid you know fairly for their time sure. what happens during that week then you sort of you, you dial down on individual points of the song mm-hmm. i imagine at this point you've sort of come up with a checklist of like does the tone of the song work are you okay with all the wording is you know is there more that you'd like to see yeah. And really, on that Monday, I mean, it could take a, a million different courses. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, you know, the song does match what the students want, and they're just, you know, really fine-tuning, you know, a lyric. I mean, they could spend an entire day just working on one line. And okay. again, that's, really, that's a really cool process to... Because in the real world, I mean, a lot of times those intricacies are the most important pieces of, of a product and something that most businesses and business people focus on. And so to give... You know, to have something that's 99% done, but to know that, man, like we just got to, if we get this 1% right. perfect, you know, that we're going to be super proud of that. Um, well, and that's, there's an educational benefit to that as well, right? Absolutely. Just teaching sort of like, hey, you, you said that revision is important, but sort of, you know, that like last little bit, that long tail of perfection of, hey, you got to spend a little bit of extra time just to get that last percentage right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's... I don't think it's been proven yet, but I think that there's certainly 
something going on with young people in this gen- in their generation where they don't pay attention to those details, where it's a struggle for them to to really dive into something like that. And again, I think that art in general is is the best way that I've observed to get students to really care about those those specific things, whether it's music, whether it's dance, whether it, you know, all, especially dance. I mean, like, you know, you got to get it right. You know, and if you don't have it perfect, it'll still look good, but it's not going to, it's not going to match what you as a performer envision it to be. Or could do, and it's not going to knock anybody's socks off. Right. I want to get to just one last song from an artist that's performing Dick and Jane Week. Uh, This is Betsy Ross performing Dead Wild. They will be performing Dick and Jane Week on October 7th at Ace of Cups. Again, that was Betsy Ross performing their song, Dead Wild. They will be performing Dick and Jane Week on Friday, October 7th at Ace of Cups. We are here sitting down with Ben Shinneberry, the executive director of Dick and Jane Project, on the occasion of Dick and Jane Week coming up on October 1st through 9th at venues throughout the city. All those shows, if you attend them, a portion of the proceeds will be donated to Dick and Jane Week for production of songs with middle school students. Ben, we've sort of walked through how it got started, what are the nuts and bolts of running a nonprofit, how the song production process goes with middle school students. You guys have produced 77 songs at this point with middle school students all over central Ohio. Where do you sort of envision Dick and Jane Project going at this point? Mm -hmm. So there was a a couple months ago, there was a a grant released uh, from the MacArthur Foundation that was uh, it was one recipient gets a hundred million dollars. Uh, oh, and you just want that's all you want. Well, I, yes, that'd be great. Uh, <laughs> um, what it did allow me to do is to to dream. I allowed my myself to dream for a day. I'm sorry. What were the parameters of the grant? The grant was to make. Uh, it, it was really simple. I think it was to to make massive change within the world. There were no, you know. It was not confined to education or environment or anything like that. It was it was really open. I think they wanted to just get some some really 
interesting and broad ideas. Back in 2010, 2011, when I first started the organization, I spent most of my days dreaming <clears throat> and thinking about what Dick and Jane could be. And so in the last five years, you know, I, I haven't allowed my brain to do that. I said, you know what, I'm going to get down to it. Like, I know what I need to do. You know, I know the nuts and bolts. Let's do And it. again, this is a part-time endeavor for Absolutely. you. Right. But when this grant came out, I allowed myself a day to dream and you know, and not only the dream, but, but to crunch some numbers and do some math. And I asked myself, what could, what could that money do for the Dick and Jane project? And I realized that if we, if we, if we were to, to get that grant, we could give every single seventh grade student in the Columbus City School District their own Dick and Jane song. And we could do that for six years. Um, and what that would do is not only empower every single one of those students, but it would also employ every uh, musician and producer who's worthy of being employed by the Dick and Jane Project a job and would also bring in, you know, 100 or 200 other musicians and producers from around the country to Columbus uh, to, you know, not only be a part of this project, not only uh, contribute to student success, but contribute to the art scene here to contribute, you know, to really grow what we've got going here. Right. Um, and so it was fun to dream like that. And it, but really, that is a vision of mine. I mean, I, you know, my vision is, you know, a student goes to school, first period algebra, second period, you know, science, third period, Dick and Jane project. I think that as we go forward, I think that we can prove that there is so much value to this experience that it should be a no brainer for schools to include it within their annual budgets. Have you figured out sort of, again, it's only been a short period of time, like what, four years that it's actually been incorporated mm -hmm. and, and an approved yeah. 501c3 organization. Have you been sort of able to formalize the process that you go through enough so that it can be replicated? Yes. And does it, would it bother you if someone in Atlanta public schools just sort of like picked it up? Uh, no, it would not bother me. And so we have a, a full curriculum guide. Um, again, that, that walks through, you know, step by step and day by day. And we generalize it enough to be open to, you know, different styles of songwriting and, you know, where it's not a script of how to write a song, but it's right. certainly a, um, a nice guide. Um, and so here at, at, in, in Columbus, uh, a year ago, we brought on a couple of new producers to the project. Um, and it's not as simple as, oh, you're a good songwriter. Yeah, you should come be, a, you know, a part of Dick and Jane. It's, you know, we make them shadow an entire experience. I have a lot of conversations with them uh, to test, you know, how much they care about, you know, the mission of Dick and Jane. Right. Um, and so I was at a conference uh, just last week where a super passionate group of, of folks wanted to do what we're doing in San Diego. I mean, one, who am I to say, no, you can't do this. Right. Uh, but ultimately, I, I think that, you know, the Dick and Jane franchise, if you will, uh, you know, if 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 schools and you know and, and organizations want to to follow our process, uh, by all means, yes. And I would love to if you know if they're following you know the same guide that we follow and are you know and, and uh, follow our mission and and if those if those organizations are are committed to working with us, then yeah, we are completely open uh, to that. And that's it's kind of nice. I mean, it's. The whole the whole process is is built into society already. If a city has musicians and a city has young people, they can do this. Okay. Again, we're here on the occasion of Dick and Jane Week. If people want to help, uh, obviously attending Dick and Jane Week, donate. You can just straight up give your money at dickandjaneproject.org. What if there are parents and or educators that want to have Dick and Jane Project come to their school? Sure. Um, I am always open to meet with parents and educators that that want to bring Dick and Jane to the school. Um, and so really it's as simple as emailing me, um, okay. Ben at the Dick and Jane project .org, Um, and I'd love to, does that, is that process sort of formalized in terms of, obviously you have to get permission from the school. There is a cost associated with it, but to the best of your ability, you guys utilize donations and grant dollars in order to defer that cost from the schools. Correct. And so really that first meeting, that first meeting entails a lot of figuring out what the Dick and Jane songwriting, songwriting experience would look like in that school. Because it's different each time. It's different time. every time. Right. And, and really what that always comes down to is funding. And so oftentimes we talk about ways that the school is able to fundraise uh, to bring us there or ways that we can partner to write a grant or, way, you know, 
or ways that we can use funds that we get, for example, from Dick and Jane Week uh, to support uh, songwriting experiences at the school. And so really it's, it's, uh, it's formalized in the sense of once we figure out how to fund it, like we're ready to go. Great. Yeah. Great. Ben, thank you so much for your time today. Again, Dick and Jane Week is occurring October 1st through 9th at venues throughout the city. You can get more information and the full schedule at dickandjaneproject.org. We are going to close out the show with probably one of the best known, best enjoyed Dick and Jane Project songs, Makes Us Happy. Uh, Again, Ben, thank you so much for your time today and good luck with Dick and Jane Week. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on the Dick and Jane Project and Dick and Jane Week in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, your family, your contacts, your enemies, your favorite musician. 
If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, you can get in touch with us at info at theconfluencecast.com. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a good week. Thank you.